tuning into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 448 with Athol Thompson, and it's all about understanding footwear. How can the footwear that our athletes use affect performance, but also increase or decrease injury risk? Just before we do dive into this episode, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. Rock Daisy's best-in-class athlete management system provides a powerful competitive advantage to organizations throughout the NFL, NBA, NHL, NCAA, and other elite sports leagues around the world. If you're looking for a solution that enables you to centralize, analyze, and visualize your data, check out rockdaisy.com and sign up for a free trial. I don't want to put you on the spot and, and throw you under the bus for any particular brands, so feel free to veto this question. But is there any anything recently in terms of popular design that is not necessary from an injury perspective is not ideal? Um, less and less so, I think. To be honest, I think yeah, okay, less cool. and less so. I, we used to see lots of um, lots of really aggressively bladed shoes, so long kind of blades, or Americans would call cleats. Um, and they were fabulous for in terms of traction. So performance-wise, you know, there's no doubt that through a curved kind of slalom runs or curved runs and courses that were agility or change direction, that there is a performance benefit. Um, uh, but they're sort of, and, and American football was really the place where the majority of this research has been done. If there's very aggressive blades or longer kind of uh, longer studs or bladed cleats along the periphery of the shoe then they become um, a long way away from where you pivot on the shoe so I guess like anything if you have a very long lever arm it becomes a high force so um, I see a move away from really aggressive kind of lugs cleats on the out on the very periphery of shoes and a lot more now are, are smaller and round a little bit rounder they might be a little hexagonal or um, but there is a lot more thought into that release now I say that this is all, you know, like I often get on calls and I think people seem to think that I, you know, invented some of this and I just, you know, the whole standing on, standing on the shoulders of giants. But, you know, when I was doing my PhD, I was reading this incredible work from a guy, Joseph Talk, in, um, in the US, who in 1970 did a rotational traction study and then uh, intervened and made a whole, um, made a whole high school footwear program, uh, football, American football program change their studs so they went from kind of traditional long screw-in metal studs to what he kind of called soccer studs which is probably like a copa you know mandial or a, or a puma king those black round molded studs that you would think of that are kind of old school um but still really cool um and so we put that across the whole league now there's an absolutely incredible reduction in severe knee injuries i think it was 70 percent or more reduction in severe knee injuries but um but I wasn't there to watch the league. Like they might have all slipped over, and it might have been terrible to watch in terms of a of a spectacle. So it, it's not new work. They, you know, his his colleagues and himself, they started to look at footwear designs. They looked at a swivel shoe, which kind of rotated. So it's certainly not a new idea. It's 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 come and gone. Um, but I think we're just starting to get a bit more, you know, pardon the pun, but a bit more traction to to do something about it now. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, um, artificial turf. And that's probably I mean, from the high end, especially in the UK, the high end, uh, particularly using them kind of surfaces, even probably when the, the snow comes, they'll probably find an alternative, have an indoor environment or whatever it is. But still, academy players, if it snows outside, they'll be indoor on the 4G. When you get down the ages, they'll be using 4G probably 90% of the time. 
and then lower end using it a lot. So what what difference in terms of the things that you've mentioned um, comes from that switching surface from a turf to a um, an artificial so turf? It depends, really. It depends if you're lucky enough to be you know at a really elite academy who puts time into their surface maintenance. Um, or if you are playing down the village center, like I, like I would be now, um, and that might be a school surface that was put in for multi-use that has never been maintained. So they, it tends to be, these things are sometimes sold as this is a multi-use, you know, maximum kind of hour usage pitch that, um, that you can use and, and not, have to renov- not have to renovate or do maintenance to. But the real story with that is, you know, artificial grass is made from fibers that, that have to sort of sit up. So eventually we knock them all down. They have rubber crumb that reinforce that, that gives them some nice, you know, energy return. But we bring half of that home in our shoes. And if you have any kids, they pour them all over the house. They so have these little green or black rubber crumb. <laughs> um, so once that rubber crumb is, is moved around on the surface and moved into different areas and some of those fibers have fallen over and, you know, people have fallen over and got... Um, horrible staph infections in their cuts and things, then there's a few things that need to happen. They need to be kind of um, raked back up, if you like, or, or kind of worked back up so the fibers stand up. The rubber crumb needs to be kind of spread around, um, almost uh, leveled again uh, often, and, and they need cleaned now and then, you know. So um, it depends is the answer. So if you're lucky enough to be at the elite end and truly really well maintained, um, we do sort of suggest that you have at least another footwear um, option. So um, they tend to be slightly higher traction on an on a artificial pitch, even even in the dry, um, even when it's not too hot. So there's things that modulate, that, that alter traction. So if it gets very hot, that takes the traction up a little bit. Um, if it gets you know very wet, then that takes it down, which is why in field hockey where they use a lot of water, you know, there's... So the ball can zip along the surface. You probably don't see quite as many ACLs, I think. Um, so there's things that alter that. So if you're inside on a really good, you know, artificial pitch, then using firm ground studs that are mainly round, you know, molded firm ground boot studs that are mainly round, or artificial varieties which are short and lots of them. Now they're not the old school kind of turf shoes people probably think of. Turf shoes those kind of horrible vinyl ones with the nubs like lots and lots of, st- of little rubber ones and a, and a bit of a um, bit of a cushion they have their uses but generally at the elite end I can't get a football player to, to use them at all they're too far away from the ground so these days you're really lucky you can get um, the exact same you know elite end boot if you are a Nike tempo guy or an Adidas X or whatever it is you can get that elite level boot with all the same characteristics just with different studs. So they change the outsole. So you can go from soft ground to, to firm ground. Sometimes there's even a mixed option and then to AG. So it's having an option, which is all well and good at the elite level. A little bit harder if, uh, you know, mum and dad are having to shell out for those and you're growing all the time. Um, so if you're on this on the multi-use school pitch and it's really, really quite hard and all the fibers have fallen over, I, I would... And you know what? It's not the Champions League. You know, you're out there for your fitness and to have fun. I would probably err on the side of enough traction not to be slipping, but not crazy amounts. So you wouldn't like to see metal screw-in studs on that surface. They're not going to penetrate well enough. Um, And even some of the really aggressive blades on that surface can be a little bit hard to release. So um, especially with some of the youth athletes that are a little bit lighter, it's hard for those studs to... Studs really have to penetrate to the sole plate. That's how the... If you want the pressure to be even with all the studs that come through your boot, you know, you can feel that on your metatarsals and the pads of your feet. So you want that to be quite even. 
really um, the studs have to be able to kind of penetrate that surface to the stud plate. So it, it, it's having a few options, which isn't always easy. My my daughter, so Rob, day? just to say, Come like my, imagine being the daughter of a podiatrist that works at all this stuff and is, you know, so I, uh, my daughter is four, just turned 14 and, and is a, a midfielder and she's going very well. She sees all this face and things. She's never played in anything except AG and maybe occasionally firm ground. I just, uh, she's a 14-year-old um, uh, woman who's gone through a huge growth spurt with long levers and I just... She's not slipped and been having any, any issues. So for me, it's kind of as long as there's a window where you can perform well but not slip. But if we go kind of above that and we start kind of, you know, bumping the traction right up, then it is just one little little factor that probably we don't have to push, I think. Um, in terms of traction, you can only use so much of it. So having more and more of it, you know, there's a there's a there's a finite amount of traction or um, or a kind of window in which you can use. And then after that, it starts to, you can't actually utilize it to get any faster, you know, to, to do movements more. We're just, we're just getting up into a place where, um, where there could be some issues with the studs not penetrating. So we have pressure problems or the boot not releasing. One problem that was always voiced to me was the transition between a grass surface and an artificial surface. Is that something that practitioners need to consider and how would you kind of navigate those switches? And again, that would probably be an academy setting depending on weather, availability. How would you navigate that from a podiatry oh, point wish, of view? I wish I knew this is the question. So part of my work <laughs> here because of the research is every other night I'll have a chat to someone from a club around the world in, in whether that be you know, football or zero rules, rugby union, and especially rugby union and football where there's surface shifts and even rugby league. Um, and I think there's just some more work need to be done on this. I, I don't know how people should um, prepare for those shifts. If you know, let's say in rugby union in the UK, if you know you're going to play Glasgow next week or one of the premiership clubs that are on that surface, but you are on natural grass or even hybrid reinforced grass, which is where they kind of you know reinforce natural grass with a with a few um, artificial fibers. How do you prepare for that you know how much time how much high speed or very high speed running on that surface um should you do and that's i don't know it's a golden question there's been a little there's been too few research on it so in terms of cold hard research there just isn't enough i know uh, alan mccall and his um buddies and i can't remember the lead author sorry but they did do a little bit of work looking at some of the even the physiological markers with surface shifts and didn't find a, a whole lot in a small sample but um Anecdotally, so in the clinic, time and time again, players come in and they complain about it. And so maybe our tools aren't quite good enough to, to pick it up, but it's number one complaint is how, how, you know, this surface shift, how hard a surface can feel, um, how muscle soreness, joint soreness after Achilles, after artificial turf sessions. Um, we have some work coming on that. We've just had a, uh, we have some uh coming on kind of people's perception a player's perceptions of the surfaces they play on um in in rugby union especially and uh there is quite a lot in uh football as well and generally the players don't like it with the caveat though that some grow up with it so if you if you grow up in iceland or scandinavia you know chances are you've played on those sort of surfaces a lot uh, all through your development so it's probably not as big a deal to you as it as it would be for me coming from Australia and and being signed to a club at 35 and finishing off my career, you know, I'm probably going to say, what is this? You know, there's been some really high profile players that have refused to play on it. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm not sure that answers any of the questions, but that's just my take. No, no, it does. Yeah. It's, it's to kind of answer that I was expecting because I, I knew it would be a bit of a, um, a gray area and probably more work to be done there. But no, that's, that's super interesting. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So the full episode with Athol can be found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The episode number is 448, and look forward to chatting to you next time.